Hey, welcome back to the 2018 year-end extravaganza right here on Open Lines Radio. I hope you're ready for another netcast we've got for you today. Up next, Sabat Shalom with Brother Doug. Um, this is a good one. And I don't know, like, it's weird. Like, Doug and Mike, my, my, I have a family of two brothers and two sisters, and we're all very independent. And we don't really talk a lot. And it's not because we're mad at each other or don't like each other. We just all are kind of off living different lives. And I don't know how, like, Doug and I, I don't we were just maybe just having a text message conversation or something. Or maybe he, I don't remember how it came up. But I told him I was doing this Open Lines radio thing. And he said, hey, we should do a show called Sabat Shalom with Brother Doug. And I think he was being sarcastic. But we did it anyway. And so basically what this is is Doug and I just talking once a week or so. Uh, it's been several years since we've had a real conversation, and um, it's been really fun, and I hope you've been enjoying it too, and I hope you enjoy this one right here. Uh, keep listening. We've got more netcasts coming your way today. Uh, if you're listening in the future, listen to them after this. Just project yourself back to December 30th, 2018. We're at the end of the year. We're about to move into a great the great year of 2019 where everything is about to happen and right now we're reflecting before leaping
I've had a just a terrible headache the last couple of days. Yeah, it's what's just, going it's on? Cold, cold air. Oh. <laughs> I know. The cold air gets you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cold in Southern California, and I know uh, where you're from. You don't like to hear us Californians bitching, but it's yeah, really no crazy how quickly your body like acclimates to where being you're cold. At. Yeah. Oh, because I see it's like saying. it's like coming from Utah, where with these cold, cold winters, like the first few years we were in California, it's like I went like I probably went three years straight without ever wearing long pants. Yeah. <laughs> it's like like who, and now I'm like, who is this guy bundled up in long pants and when it's sixty degrees outside? Well, we, I even noticed that from season to season. The beginning of winter, you are putting on as many layers as possible and by the end of winter you're you're just handling it like a pro you know maybe that's what it is it's just a, this is the first cold spell we've had so yeah it feels yeah. like it's it's like i'm inhaling this cold air because i'm out in the garage too where I, where i record so do you have a heater yeah i've got a little space heater but the air is still cold it's still crisp yeah. and so i'm inhaling cold air and it's like going straight to my brain <laughs> cool so what's new with you? I know uh, other than the weather. <laughs> well, the weather's been it's been snowy, it's been a white Christmas, you know. Um yeah, it's been it's been a wonderful week and a half. I'm I'm pretty fortunate where for the last 14 years I've worked in a profession where we get a winter break, so every holiday I uh I get some time off. And so I've been just hibernating. How do you spend your time off? Do you like go do shit or do you just like tuck in, you know? Typically we, it's kind of both like Holly and I, we kind of like, even when we go do stuff, we're still like hermits, you know? Yeah. It's kind of just like the two of us. And so we, we we take short trips. We're, we're fortunate, fortunate enough to live really close to a lot of sites. Yeah. So we'll take like a couple hours and go do something. We'll usually we'll set off early because we kind of get up early. Uh-huh. We'll set out early, but usually by like one or two, we're like, "All right, time to yeah, ready time be to done. head home." <laughs> yeah, that's all. I'm I'm definitely the hermit type. I I enjoy just being at home. In fact, um, like when it when it's when it's winter, when it, any break really, I I like desire just to just like hibernating it's just like getting in my shell and especially the the long winter breaks just because there's usually a lot of stuff going on right before christmas and then after christmas it's just like this dead zone of of nothing going on and i had a neighbor an old neighbor of mine uh text me yesterday and he'd, he's moved away for a long time and he um <clears throat> he's like hey i uh i accidentally had two packages sent to my old house can you go over to the neighbor's house and pick those up for me? Which, which like for most people, big deal. Just go pick up some packages right. from, from the neighbor. To me, it's like, I got to go interact with my neighbor. <laughs> like, I don't, yeah. I don't want to do this. And I'm a nice guy. I can, I, I will small chat, like small talk with my neighbors as they're walking by, but I really don't enjoy that. I just, I'm the, I'm the guy who's like, Oh, he was a nice guy, but I never interacted with him. That's me. You know? Um, and so, and it was exactly what my nightmare thought it was going to be. So I go over there, and he's a nice guy. He's a nice neighbor. He's about my age. And um, I go over there and said, hey, so 
I got a text from my old neighbor, the person who used to live in this house. I guess did the package come here? Because yeah, yeah, I, I threw it out. He's already he's had so much time to change his address. <laughs> so, like, well, he like you're in the now. middle. I'm in the middle of all this. <laughs> And I'm like, does he send stuff here all the time? Yeah, all the time. Stuff's coming all the time. Once, once there's a big package, I called him. I said, hey, look, this is it. This is the last warning. <laughs> so, and so he's like, you change it. And so every time it comes, I just throw it out. It's gone. It's already gone. And so then I'm like, I'm like, well, on one hand, like I empathize with. I'm like, get your address changed for hell's sake. It's been right. five years, you know. Um, on the other hand, it's. Like there's one more package coming, you know. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, uh, well, uh, apparently there's another package coming. When it comes, can you just throw it on my my porch? And his daughter, who doesn't live too far away, will just come pick it up. And so I had to like mediate this. And he and he was like fine, like he didn't have any issues. But I felt like I was like one, I I couldn't care less. It's not my stuff, and it's whatever. But at the same time, um, like how hard is it just to throw, you know, even even just like. Just to say return to sender. Yeah, return to sender, <laughs> no. that kind of thing. And so, and so anyway, it was, it was the last thing I was hesitating to, um, to go over there to begin with, just because I, you know, when I get in these shells, it's social interaction with people I don't know very well. Well, that's why you is, knew that something was going to happen. That's why you didn't yeah. want to go over there. Because something <laughs> exactly. always happens when you deal with it people. It does. It does. And I still, I haven't, I haven't texted back my neighbor to say, hey, he threw out your old... <laughs> your old item because uh, i know that that's gonna spark this whole new conversation of well tell him right right <laughs> and and i'm that's not where you're it. gonna and that's where you're gonna have to say no the thing nobody yeah, wants that, to do is, is say no <laughs> that's exactly right don't make me say <laughs> no no have so anyway. common courtesy and don't make me say no just don't ask exactly you know that is a, that is a good uh lesson for people in life of of and, unless you really really want something right but just give people an out. Right, right. Let like people, a, an let option. People, of, let people you don't politely have to do this bow or, Exactly, exactly. And um, so anyway, that was uh, a little something that happened to me over this break that, that uh, rudely pulled me out of my shell. And so I'm still recuperating from that, as, as they say. That's funny. That's funny. Yeah. That's something similar happened... If I if I told this, said this before, stop me because I've told a lot of people because this is a funny story. <laughs> we live in a house that has a gate, uh -huh. and it's it's not like we're royalty. We rent this house. It happens to have a gate, <laughs> <laughs> and it and it's actually the gate is the biggest pain in the ass because it's got this remote control clicker. We call it the clicker around here. Yeah. I don't know what yeah. else to call. Every time I say it, it sounds it sounds so stupid, but I don't know what else to call it. Get the clicker. And you have to sit out, you know, like, you'll be sitting outside, like, pushing this thing for, like, five minutes before the thing actually opens. It's yeah, like such a yeah. piece of shit. It's, it's the opposite of, like, like if you needed to make, I mean, it's great if you want to stay in because you can't get the thing open. But, so, <laughs> I'm, I'm home, I have a day off, I'm, I'm in my room, and, and I hear this, hello! <laughs> hello! Oh, no. That's and I kind of peek through the blinds and see this old lady with curlers in her hair and she's holding a dog leash and she's reaching through the, the, the gate and she's going, cookie, cookie, hello, cookie, cookie? come here, cookie's her dog, oh, her dog. come through the, into my yard 
but her gate is closed, so she can't get it. Yeah. And so it just happens to be that something was wrong with our car, and I was switching all the stuff over from one car to the other, and I happened to have the clicker there right with me in my room. Uh-huh. And so without even going outside, <laughs> I just click it. I mean, it took me a few minutes because it takes forever, but finally it opens. So uh-huh. I just and I'm thinking this lady's got to be tripping right now. Right? So she's sitting there, hello, and all of a sudden the gate opens, <laughs> and she comes in. She's in the yard chasing her dog around for five minutes, and this gate doesn't like you can't get two cars through there before it closes. Like I got to figure out how to change the settings because it closes mm-hmm. fast. It opens, and you can come through, but within like 15 seconds it closes. So now she's in my yard. <laughs> so she comes into my yard after this dog, and then the gate closes behind oh, her. Oh, no. And there's not a person to be seen. And, <laughs> and she, she just entered a house of horrors, man. Yeah, and that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, I want this lady to have this story where who knows who knows who's inside. But somebody opened that gate for her. You know? <laughs> And then so I, she gets the gate, and then she starts knocking on my door, pounding on my door. Hello, oh, no. hello. <laughs> well, she's oh, trapped no. in that. She's trapped in the yard, and I'm sitting there trying to get the damn gate to open. You know, <laughs> clicking this thing, and finally it opens, and then she's like, "Thank you." <laughs> like, just go. Like, I mean, I, it was. I don't know. I I wonder what she thought, because then she gets into her car, and like almost immediately the gate closes behind her. <laughs> so she she, she never, never saw actually, a person. She never actually saw somebody. That's or heard good. anybody. I just stood, stood, oh no, my dogs are going crazy yeah. in the garage. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so all she hears are these dogs going crazy. Are you are you on a busy road? Yes, a very busy. So, road. how do you get into your house if the gate never opens? Well, because there's you, there's about a car and a half length driveway before you get to the gate oh, so you okay. have to turn in and you're off the road but it's really scary getting your mail because it's such a busy road and somebody <laughs> took out her mailbox the other day oh, no. came up over the curb and just smashed the hell out of it and left oh man and so i'm out there fixing it on this busy road thinking man i'm right in the spot where somebody just yesterday yeah just just crashed broke. through uh-huh. it's scary yeah, that is scary. <clears throat> good thing you have a gate. You know? It said, good thing you have a gate. Yes. It's it's actually very comforting to be yeah. hermit-like tendencies and know that nobody's going to come up on your house <laughs> without warning. That is actually really nice. <laughs> because one of the one of the things that I highly dislike is well, it's 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 like a double-edged sword because um, with the kids being older. Um, they can answer the door, right? So I, I, I don't like answering the door. I just, you just have to interact with people, um, not on your timetable. You know what I mean? And, um, but the problem is now they answer the door for everybody. And so I think a gate would be really nice because <laughs> you get to determine, you know? I wonder, I, I wonder if that's just a product of where you are with people coming to the door. Cause it seems like even when we didn't have a gate, people weren't, necessarily always coming to the door oh people come to the door all the time around here all the time and, and a lot of times it's like door-to-door salesmen that kind of thing the solicitors um they're still then, out there huh oh yeah oh yeah big time and um but then there's like it, being in the mormon corridor there's just like people in the ward 
dropping stuff off and that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, that's what that's know? what I'm thinking. It's just people people say hello, and around the holidays it's, it's huge because oh yeah, because people bring cookies there. and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's nice. It's a nice gesture, but it's like you know you're in your sweatpants and whatever, and you don't, <laughs> you don't, like interact with people. Yeah, so. I, I hear you. So yeah. Well, what else has been rattling around in that brain of yours? <clears throat> a couple things, but while we're on the topic, so um, I had a whole direction I was thinking of going, but it's kind of heavy. I don't know where we want to go there just yet. Um, and this whole situation yesterday with the, the neighbor made me, and there's been a couple things just like watching some television programs since I've had time to like just sit and take in things. There's been a few things on my mind. Um, but this neighbor of mine that I was talking about who had texted me, um, uh, a detail that I, I didn't mention was that um, when I had moved into this house, so I moved in in 2009, um, the neighbor that was next door, it was, it was he and his husband. And that may seem like a pretty mundane detail um, for most people, but being in like suburban Mormon, Mormon suburbia in Utah, you just didn't have gay neighbors like that was not a it was not a regular occurrence right you just your interaction with with um gay people was really really limited and so um having had these text conversations with this neighbor it's uh, my wife and i were were talking about it and i was looking through just my text conversation and, and i was really pretty good friends with this neighbor and it made me think a lot about how how change happens just whether it's changing people's mind we talked about that a little bit in the past but just change in general and what like the characteristics of of change are um because i'd say in my life the thing that i have noticed probably most presently the most dominant and and where my view has changed has been with um the issue like around like gay marriage and just around how I view homosexuality in general. That is when I became an adult to, you know, now 20 years later, my views are dramatically different even than they were say 10 years ago. Really? Why do you think your views were different 10 years ago? Was it because of religious beliefs or that definitely had a huge factor in it. I also think culturally, culturally it's um, become I, I think I'm not unique in that. I think around the around the country, um, a lot of views, a lot of people's views have changed on that issue. But for me specifically, it was definitely had a religious a religious undertone to it. And what is what's interesting is when we moved into this house, it was 2009, and so that was right after uh, the Prop 8. You remember the whole Prop 8 uh, discussion and debate in California, the gay marriage. Yeah, of course. And, um, and that I, was, I had uh, some pretty fierce, uh, Facebook conversations with one of our aunts. Over probably. Oh, did you, <laughs> did you, one of, one of the many, uh, uh, rifts that, yeah, <laughs> has, yeah, has torn the relationship apart. Well, and it was, it was such a big deal, you know, it, it was in California It made national news, of course, but like. It was such a big deal in Utah specifically because the Mormon Church had um, 
you know, allocated funds for it. It had asked members of, of the church in California to go door to door. Um, one of our family members was asked in their in their um, church practice, like in their like Sunday sacrament, whatever, to go door to door to like advocate for, um, you know, against gay marriage. And so it was a huge deal locally here. And so this was going on. And, um, you know, and I I was uh, when we moved here was pretty actively engaged Mormon. But um, it was right around the time 2008, 2009 was right around the time that um, I started having like this crisis of faith, not not around gay marriage, but it was around just like other beliefs and history and all sorts of stuff. And so so I was already kind of like processing all this information about like trying to figure out how I felt about things. And then you have this this national debate that the church was kind of at the center of. And um, around that same time, I move into this house and I've got these gay neighbors and they um, over over those first few years moving there, I you know, we bought this house. It would needed a lot of work and I was teaching at the time. So I had my summers off. And so um, I was at home in the summers all the time, just working in the garage, working on the house. And my neighbor, um, he, uh, the one I was probably closest friends with, because uh, there, there are two of them, he and his husband, and they've since separated and are no longer together. But the neighbor that I was closest to, he was a musician and he worked from home. And so uh, my wife and I, we would be home in the summers because we both worked in for the school district and we worked on stuff on the house and then he was also home working and so we just in that process of like me being outside a ton working in the garage and him being home we just kind of got to know each other and he would come over and talk and then he had he saw that I was doing like woodworking projects and then um, hired me to do various woodworking projects for his house and just over the course of the years we became really really good friends and I remember um, at that same time I used to I don't know if you remember Diane Reem. She had, um, she was NPR. Uh, she had an NPR show, the Diane Reem show. And every Friday she did this thing called the Friday news roundup. And I remember in the discussion of prop eight, one of the journalists that she had on there saying, and he was, he was gay. And he was saying, one of the biggest things that we can do, one of the most important things we can do to affect change is to just live our lives like normal people. And just start your families in, in neighborhoods and let your neighbors see that you are just like everybody else. And it reminds me of that discussion uh, you and I had a couple months ago where when we are trying to impact change of you got to speak their language, so to speak. You had mentioned you gotta, you got to talk in a language they can understand. And I think that's like a prime example of that. Um, and that was huge for me when I, there are these neighbors that I got to know that they were just good guys. They were great neighbors and they didn't have this like offensive agenda. They just wanted to live their lives. They had their families and they just wanted to live a normal life and just live. And it's like, and it's that same idea of just speaking your language. People understand that anybody can get that idea of, I just want to live my life and it's none of your business. What kind of sex I have, you know? Right. And, um, I mean, take the right. sex out of it. Totally. And and so that's the part that's the part that that religion always wants to pull into it for some reason. Religion always wants to talk about the sex, right? That's true. You know, I hadn't even thought about that. Is is what does that even matter, really? You know what I mean? Um, It's it's more than 
it's who I love is probably a better way of putting that. Um, so that so that's one thing. I think I think kind of when we've had that discussion of of like when we see change, a part of that is being able to couch it in somebody's language, right? And and in ways they can understand or see that hey, like um, maybe that's not as offensive as I think it is. Um, like for me, one of my personal um, ethics and one of my personal values is so for example my my religious beliefs have changed but um, I still interact with with various family members who uh, who don't appreciate um, my kind of my new stance on that and so one of my things is just live my life like a good guy and see that hey like my feelings have changed around certain things but like I'm still a good guy and um, you know, you just see that, like, hey, it, it's all cool. Right. Everything's cool. Like, everything's all right. Right. It's to not and, engage in that fight with them because that's when it becomes emotional and they right. and they can say, see, see, what are you getting so angry about? Look, why, you're just uh -huh. an angry person. And it's like, no, you trappy. <laughs> you know? Right. It's, it's better well, to just not engage. In, and sometimes silence is better when you can mm -hmm. actually just, like, they know what you believe, but you don't engage in any kind of, like, bitterness. Yeah. And see, and so that's, and that's definitely the stance I take. It's this like non, you just, uh, non-confrontational and kind of living your best life is really speaks volumes, right? Yeah. But, and then, but then there's this, I've been kind of dealing, there's a whole other side to this that I've been thinking about lately. And this is like the stuff I've been watching. Um, so, so with this neighbor, around the same time, I there was a guy I was working with. That when uh, when I started teaching, I was at the junior high. He was at the high school, and so our schools were vertically aligned because we taught the same subjects. So I got to know him through teaching, and then he went to the district, and he'd have me work on various district projects, um, curriculum projects with him. And um, he was also gay. And both the neighbor and this guy that I had worked with, they were um, roughly the same age and um, had started families. Um, and got to this, you know, in their forties and we're just like, you know what, I, I can't live this life anymore. I just, I can't live a lie. And I think it's interesting and, and it's probably this way nationally, but in Utah, I think from probably about age 40, age 45 till around 60, there's this weird generation where they socially, like nationally, um, homosexuality was probably a little more prominent than it was in previous generations, but still not accepted, right? And um, in in Mormon circles, that was definitely like you you know you you go and you you get married, you um, you live your life, you kind of pray the gay way, that kind of thing. And um, and so I was interacting with these these two guys who had very similar stories. They went on missions. They um, got married in the temple, they started families, and it just fell apart because they were um, not living this authentic life. And they both um, decided to come out, and they divorced their spouse and, and um, were gay, openly gay. <clears throat> and that came at a huge cost. And that's the part to me where I think that's where, like, that is, I think, also required is um like sometimes you do have to sacrifice sometimes like you do have to speak up so just even within our own neighborhood 
um, you know, when I moved in, I was still very interactive with our neighborhood and our community, but everybody knew that I had a good um, friendship with, with our neighbors. And so it was kind of like this weird dynamic where um, I could just, I could hear what people were saying about these guys and, and they, they had put grapes in and man, you would have thought that they were out um, <laughs> throwing raves in the front yard. You know what I mean? It was like, um, that was huge controversy. And they put grapes in? They put wine grapes in, in the yard. <laughs> so, so they were flaunting their gay lifestyle is what was what the community had <laughs> felt. And so anyway, so here's here's the point is is what so what has impacted change for me is listening to like hearing the stories of these these guys who um like really had to sacrifice something. Who and who like it took a great amount of courage to come out. And then, and then we coupled this with, I don't know if you've watched the Ellen DeGeneres stand-up thing on, on Netflix. I started it a couple of times, but I haven't. Yeah. And she, she she talks about like when she came out in the nineties and the, 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 um, kind of the sacrifice that was and, and how scary that was, but how she had to like, you know, tell her truth kind of thing. And then I don't know if you. Um, I've listened to LeBron James on The Shop. It's HBO. It's his new series where he just talks to other famous people. I um, and on there, he, he's talking about um, with with his position. He sometimes feels like he is he needs to speak out. Like he has this this platform to speak out on, and and um, it's not as risky for him because because it's harder to take things away from him now, you know, cause he is so large and, right. and famous and big. And so he kind of feels like it's, it's part of his responsibility is to, Hey, if you have the capital that you can spend on this, spend it kind of thing. And, um, and then I don't, have you watched not to keep on bringing up series, but have you watched, um, the keepers on Netflix? No. Okay. I'm telling you this, if you want to be furious <laughs> and watch this thing, That's but about the nuns, it's about the nun. So it's the, oh, nun. the nun. So it's the, well, the nun. There's a nun who was killed, and then it's around the same time there's all the sex abuse going on in the school she was at, and so it's they're like they're trying to find out like what what she knew and whether that was related. Her death was related to what she knew, and and then all these people come out um, of telling their story about what happened in in the late '60s and early '70s, and um, and it's taken them years years to like tell their story and, and it's, some of it's about like the catholic church covering up some of the stuff and all that and um but what was interesting is you have these people who've had horrible things happen to them and a lot of people are saying well why are you waiting till now to to tell about it and um and, and it's just taken them a long amount of time to process this and it's it's hard to tell about horrible things that happen to you and that takes a lot of, of courage and so i i I come back to all this. What, what I'm rambling on is saying that there's a part of me that feels like, yeah, you've got to, you've really got to like couch it in what people can understand. But then there's another part of me that thinks sometimes you have to upset what people accept. You know what I mean? Like you have to sometimes like what really makes something courageous is the fact that you have to be uncomfortable and make people uncomfortable. And right. that's the hardest part for me. But that doesn't mean, like, you have to, like, be in your face. Right. You know, like, 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 there are people, like, activists who are, like, 
in your face and I just I don't like that tactic really you know what I mean like I don't want to be a finger pointer saying this is the way it is I want like I thought it's more subtle it's like like you're saying like learning the language mm-hmm. well and I think people and it's all about there's there's an art to it I'm sure because um like people have to have in order to change to happen people have to experience cognitive dissonance right where they hold two opposing feelings that, and views at the same time and because that's a very uncomfortable feeling um but that ultimately i think leads to change like you look at ellen for example you have all these people who feel like um they have their feelings about homosexuality and gay people ellen comes out and then she gets her show and people really like her and they really enjoy her and they're like but but look at ellen i really like ellen you know and so they have these two opposing views and that forces you i think i mean one of two things happen either you have to confront your previously held view and 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 look at why do i feel that way about it or you have to find reasons of why why this new feeling is wrong but having to confront that is i think a huge portion of change and and um and critical anyway um and i have so many things to say i don't even know (laughs) right how to put it in in the um, order. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess I just, I've never really understood like the problem with that people have had with gays. I don't even like know what the proper term is to say it. Like I'm just not yeah. involved yeah. in that battle, I guess. Right. right. But my whole life, I never really had a problem. But, the, but as you were talking, I was, I was, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking, but we never had a problem with it. In fact, even when, when Holly and I got married in 2008, we came to we eloped to San Diego, and you mm-hmm. had to make an appointment like days ahead of time because so many gay people were getting married. It was right after it passed, and like right. we, we thought it was so cool that we were at the courthouse and like the people in front of us and behind us were both gay. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but but as you're, as I'm thinking that I've never really had a problem. I think back to when I was in graduate school and I went to Goddard College in Vermont, and it's like the ranked number five and most gay friendly campuses and coming from utah as an adult as a as a mm-hmm. pretty liberal utah um i remember like that first moment of being on campus and and sitting there and thinking is that person gay is that person gay i wonder if that person's gay you know just because like yeah obsessive about it obsessive about it and but then like i like i don't even as somebody who was okay with it felt like is everybody going to be gay? Am I going to be the only straight person here? Yeah. And yeah. but but it wasn't that way, you know. Right. I mean, yeah, there were gay people, and they, I became really good friends with them. But it wasn't like they. But there even was that. that. So I don't like. And 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 I'm somebody that feels like I pulled away from the religion early, mm-hmm. but there are still remnants mm-hmm. even when you you've pulled away. That you right. still have to work through. I always found it weird when people say like my my opinion has evolved. You know, even I think uh-huh. Barack Obama said that, you know. Right. And it's like, it's like, how was it ever anything other? <laughs> but I guess we all are to some degrees just with things that are different. And and maybe it's like you say, you've got these neighbors that finally you're able to see. It's all. It's always, everyone's always against something until they know somebody that's. Right. That's the other. Mm-hmm. You're always against the other until you get to know the other. And mm-hmm. I think that might be like what social media is helping us do is like now 
it's not these little isolated incidents where there's a gay couple across the street, maybe in your neighborhood. And that's mm -hmm. where you have to get to know somebody. Now, it, it's everyone is everywhere. Right. And so you're able to actually tap in and connect to people because you're actually able to see, hey, these are really people and these people hurt and they experience pain. And I think it's like in seeing that, that maybe our, our opinions evolve. Well, and I think, um, I think it's a case to be made for why it's important for people to speak up and tell their stories. Not, not in a combative way necessarily, but in a, this is my experience, you know, because it, um, it just causes people to, um, have to confront that and have to like, here's somebody I care about and here's what their experience is, you know, and, and have to reason through why, you know, why it is that way. Right. right. And I don't know, I feel like I used to be pretty big, hot, hothead, airbag, windbag on social media about politics and, and things like that. But like, I know I just, I don't feel like I really suffered through much. So I don't know that I really have a yeah, voice yeah. to, um, like champion any of those causes, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, that's interesting that you say that because one of the things that, um, listening to this, um, <clears throat> the shop, they, with LeBron James, he talks a lot with, with, uh, other black people and they talk about their experience of being black in America. And, and I've thought about that in the, in this recent week of, I'm empathetic to, to what they're, what they're talking about. Um, but then I think like my daily lived experience, I just haven't had to confront that very often because I live in very white suburbia and I haven't had interactions really with, with, um, people of other races and that's not saying like oh i i don't i can't empathize with what they're experiencing but what it it's what it is is like when people talk about feeling like they're racially profiled and those things i just i haven't seen it personally and so it's it's interesting because to me like um i i, I don't know it's like this weird epiphany of like I think that's why sometimes these conversations are so difficult because it's like hard for me to put a frame of reference on just because I haven't experienced. And, and like, I know I'm intelligent enough to know that just because I personally haven't seen it doesn't mean that it doesn't happen. It doesn't mean that it's not a problem. It just means that like, it's just harder for me to, to connect to that because, um, I just don't have a ton of personal experience around it. Um, but I guarantee if I had, uh, a neighbor or a very dear friend who I uh, spent time with and they talked about their experience and I maybe spent time with them and witnessed that experience as it happened that I would feel totally different about it. Um, I, I don't know. It's just, it's well, that's why you're seeing the collective conscious change because we're just old men. Like <laughs> we, we're not plugged in like the youth are plugged in. So they right. are seeing it. Your kids in white, middle-class suburban Mormon Utah, you know, mm -hmm. north of Salt mm -hmm. Lake, where it's all safe and, and right, whatever, they're uh -huh. seeing it. They're, they're able to see because, like, they're, like, just through memes, you right. know, like... Social like, media has changed a lot of that, I'm what, sure. What's, what's changing their, your kids' lives, like, I can't even believe the conversations I have with my kids. I can't even believe how 
more aware and evolved they are than I was. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's just crazy. Like, like when you have, when your kids are like spreading wisdom to you and you're like, holy crap. Yeah. <laughs> but they get, yeah. they're seeing it. They like I, me as a, as a, as an older guy, like who doesn't have a whole lot of, you know, like, like for me to be, have interactions online is kind of creepy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a threshold, there's an you age know? Threshold but there. I've met, I have some really, really, really good friends. People I call friends, people I would call family that I've never met in real life. I'm admitting this. I don't know why? Like it's yeah. almost embarrassing, you know, like there are people that I would call friends. There are people that I interact with weekly and it's and the interaction sometimes is just clicking a heart on a post right that says like but we're interacting and i'm seeing into their world and they're seeing into my world and but like the kids like i can barely function on instagram the kids they're on 10 different outlets right they've got right. their facebook so that their family can see where they behave they've got their twitter where they're talking shit on people they've got uh -huh. their instagram where they're Posing in their swimsuit, <laughs> and so, well, but they're also seeing into all these worlds, these different yeah. worlds. Well, and I think that means they're definitely a lot more accepting. And I think exposure, just exposure in general, um, I think it's a good thing. I, I've that's probably another area of. Um, this is something I'm not proud of, but in my youth, um, I remember feeling a sense of superiority over Latin American culture, right? And um, just and 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 that's again something I'm not proud of. But as I've grown and matured, um, but it's something my, that was learned. Yeah, it, it was definitely pervasive in, and in the culture. And once you became aware that it was happening, you know, self-aware of it, you change. I think I think right. that's that's the well, evolution of. And so much so. of becoming becoming aware of it is exposure to it, right? And, and getting to know people and getting to know different cultures and getting to know different backgrounds and experiences. And it's not scary or weird or unusual to you anymore. And I definitely think that um, media plays a huge part of that in your consent. Like podcasts to me have been a huge factor because like you just you hear about stuff and you find out about stuff and you, you listen to people of different backgrounds and, and like you come to really respect and appreciate those experiences. And so that, that then like plays into your appreciation in your daily experience. And so I think that's a huge factor. I guess the whole gist of this is, man, tell your story and, um, and get, get to know people and, and, uh, just let them know where you're coming from because I do think that has that has influence, you know. Right, right. I heard somebody describe faith the other day as um, basically pretending to believe in something. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I started thinking, and it's like it's like it's like seeing with your eye. So there's people who have faith who pretend to believe something, and then there are people who believe the things they see. Uh -huh. And I started thinking about how that's kind of right, you know, it's like, it's like, that's why traveling has always been such a big thing. Like, you, you hear about these places and you like see pictures of these places, but to actually, like, to actually to go to Paris was like this huge thing, you know, for me to like mm -hmm. see these buildings and I was like, okay, you can put yourself in that place now. 
Yeah. This, this yeah. place does exist. Seeing is believing. Right. I don't have to pretend to believe it exists. Right. I have to believe based on what I've been told. I've seen it with my eyes. Mm-hmm. But like what's happening now, like you were talking, we were talking a couple of weeks ago about teleportation or maybe even last week about now, like I love watching Instagram stories. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, just, and especially if someone's walking around a city. Yeah. And it's like, holy crap, look, I'm, I, you're able to, to see with your own eyes through other people who are experiencing it in real time. Yeah. And that's huge too. Like that's, it just opens up experience like suddenly i've experienced walking around london yeah i've experienced walking around in india i follow this this girl in india and like holy shit like you should see the stuff she the stories that she posts it's amazing it's like i feel like i get a i'm 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 in on so much just because of the stuff she posts just walking around and it's like i can't believe right. people, like people live here you know yeah that is that is pretty neat and in fact um that reminds me so i mentioned this whole marco polo app that the the other week right right? and i have this group and one of uh we all live around the country and and a couple of the a couple of my friends they travel quite a bit so um in fact two of them went on this bike trip to to mexico over this break over the christmas holiday and then another one he travels for work that's what he does and and they are like they they are they're showing all these they check this out and then like i did some plumbing (laughs) so but even like me sharing this plumbing experience, it was just weird. It was just, I don't know. It was this weird moment of you have all these people in these vast distance, but you feel like they're right there. And you, when you're watching, you feel like you're right there. And I don't know. It's just, it's pretty exciting. It's pretty neat. And I know a lot of people are frightened of of the future, you know, and, and what is what is this new world of, of being constantly connected to the internet look like and what are the, you know, what are the consequences of it? And, and, you know, I'm sure there's, it's not all great, but it is pretty awesome at at the same time. What do you think people would say if Barack Obama was still president and pulling out of Syria and this fucking warmonger had quit over it? Um, I, well, I think the reaction would be, uh, well, reaction from who? Like the reaction uh, from everybody, would it be opposite of the reaction that's happening now? I, I do think it would be, I, I personally do think it would be. Um, but I guess it depends on who, cause it feels like there's two really distinct sides, you know? Um, I do think that those that are okay with it, um, uh, or those that I think the the pro Trump supporters right now, I think would be, um, would feel differently. I, I, I just do feel, think they'd feel differently. I, um, you know, with Mattis resigning, I think there is a segment that would probably feel the same regardless of who, of who it was. Um, so I don't know. What do you think? I just feel like the quote unquote left uh-huh. are hypocrites. Yeah. My, yeah. I mean, I'm one of them. I include myself. In right. We are hypocrites. Right. I just feel like, mm-hmm. like you, even like I have this realization the other day, like when I first saw it, I'm like, this, what is this guy doing? He's acting irrationally. Yeah. His, yeah. This, this guy quits over it. He quits. And it's like, yeah. man, that guy was like 
pushing for war. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. yeah. Like, like if, and I just thought, I just thought if he had quit, and Obama was pulling out, everyone would be like, oh yeah, finally we're gonna have some peace. Yeah. Well, I think I definitely think there's some some truth to that in the sense, like, um, you know, one of when Obama took office, one of his his key objectives was to, you know, get out of Iraq, get out of Afghanistan. And that was a, that was a big, big, um, push by the left. And so you could look at it the same way. Now, look, the left has long advocated for, Hey, let's not go to war. Let's back out. And, and so on one hand, I think that that's, I think that that's accurate. And it's, it's, it's funny because when it's not, when it's not your guy, all of a sudden it's a problem, right? I think that's true of, of so many people when they look at politics and then there's another side i think of what what is so alarming and what like alarms me about trump in particular is it just it it feels um it just it it feels uninformed or it feels like a rash decision or it feels you know I, and i'm speaking uneducated on this but the the relationship with turkey makes me uncomfortable and 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 why is there some sort of and now i feel like i'm getting into conspiracy theories but like is there some sort of backroom conversation he had with turkey and their desire to get rid of the kurds like of course i don't know there is it, of course yeah is. have you ever watched so, game of thrones yeah oh yeah i'm re-watching it because uh -huh. the new episodes are the new seasons coming out here in a few months right mm -hmm. i think Maybe later. I, yeah, but sure. I but I just decided I'm going to rewatch it after having watched like when I watched Game of Thrones the first time at the end of every episode I was having to go check the w wiki, right? <laughs> see what's going page on and read the summary of what was happening and who was who. And now mm -hmm. that I know what <clears throat> I've seen it, going back and watching Game of Thrones is so awesome. You know, it's like uh -huh. that's it's just such a metaphor, yeah, for the world, yeah. It's all just a Game of Thrones. Right. Yeah. And, well, and that's where, you know, I'll, I'll admit I, I'm, I'm going to be hard-pressed to, to um, be, I don't know, I'm going to be hard-pressed to be supportive of much that <laughs> Trump does. And I, and, like, I recognize that bias within myself. And it's just... But I just have a hard time. I have a hard time with, with, with his the rash decisions, and so, so, I I'll say this. I I, I did not always agree with um, Obama. Um, in fact, one of the one of my biggest concerns with the Obama administration is um, actually the handling of Syria, and um, I, I I just feel like. There was a big mess there that he was, I think, a little more reluctant to get involved in, you know. And then, and here you have like Trump like backing out, which is kind of kind of the, the same I, the same strategy. I'm going to subscribe to your conspiracy theory that it doesn't matter who's there; it's, there are bigger hands moving yeah. the chess pieces. Yeah. Have you ever heard the term pronoia? No. It's pretty much it's the opposite of paranoia. Where uh -huh. paranoia where everybody's out to get you you believe everybody's out to get you right right pronoia is is the belief that everybody is out to help you uh -huh. and it's re you, you want to do a crazy experiment you want to really change your worldview 
walk uh-uh. around with pronoia where everyone that you come across everything is tr- the universe is conspiring to help you yeah well that sounds like a very uplifting <laughs> uplifting activity. I was trying to pull I was trying to pull out a trump sorry for taking it there <laughs> Because um, I, I I disagree with a lot of his stuff too, uh, most of it, and that's why I just yeah. want I just want the left to change their tactics to not be so reactionary. That's the right yeah. tactics is reactionary. Yeah. Like the I'm, change doesn't come from like calling this guy an ugly haired pumpkin, you know. No, I I hundred percent agree with you on that. And and if you want to be taken seriously, like the things that are good, acknowledge the things that are good. Right. That way, when you acknowledge the things that are bad, they're like this must really be bad because this guy doesn't just disagree with everything right well and at some point like at some point we do have to get to a point where like we can we can compromise you know what i mean like that's that's going to have to happen if we really want to um i don't know survive it, it so so a big portion of that is is like being willing to concede certain points and and uh that's got to be done our opinions have to evolve yeah I think it's I think it's just easier to concede certain points to some individuals other than it's it's funny not I mean we'll, we'll get off this subject in in just a second but like when when George Bush was around I really couldn't stand the guy and now like in comparison there's to a certain degree like my my opinion of him has gotten better but then like I go back and I look at something I think like hold on why is my opinion why is it why is it getting better and i don't know it's just it's just interesting how how uh i, I guess my my point is is that with some of some of donald trump's strategies and his just like his demeanor just it make it, it makes it harder that's all i guess that's what i'm trying to say but um yeah, doesn't mean that doesn't mean that it's uh an appropriate response so. i can't stand the guy <laughs> Right, I, right. I follow him on Twitter for some reason. I do too. I think just to be pissed off, right, you know, by the right. things that he tweets. But at the same regard, I just want. It's like we, like you're, we were talking. It's like it, your opinions. Like there are people in the world who, if somebody else had made that decision, would be completely on the opposite side. Yes, it's weird. Yeah, I, I think that's true of all sorts of people, and that's where I, I've kind of. Um, when you do encounter politicians who will just kind of maybe speak openly, regardless of where, you know, where Trump is or whatever, or where, whoever, you know, where, wherever the, the will of the base is, that's always a little refreshing. I mean, and like Obama, like say what you will about his politics, but I love, still love listening to him speak. Yeah. Like he makes me cry. <laughs> like Obama's yeah. speeches bring tears to my eyes. It's yeah. so beautiful. Yeah. And so a lot of t- so I was completely enamored, you know, like mm-hmm. I was I like I was over I overlooked a lot of the shit he did because right. I was so enamored with the man. Right. And so now what I try to do when I'm dealing with shit Trump's doing is I think what would I feel like if Obama if you, had done yeah, this? Yeah. Yeah. I I And about half that. the things I'm like I probably would have been okay with it. The other half yeah. of the things where I'm like this guy is a clown, we got to get him out, you know. Well, and there's, I, I have the opposite problem where I look at that and I think if, if this were Obama or, or any other politician, this would like, 
blow up their presidency. And so in some ways that's like Trump really is a case study of like what what a guy can withstand because it's pretty phenomenal. <laughs> I don't like it, but it's pretty phenomenal. Yeah. So as a character he's fascinating. Yeah. And as a as a character, America is fascinating. Especially the side that like cheers I don't know. I just think it's weird to cheer for a person like in politics. None, none yeah. of them are out to help us. Yeah. Well I don't know, unless you're pro annoyed. You oh, there you go. There you hey <laughs> Yeah. They're all out to help us. Yeah. All of them. I, that's the way, way to look at it. I think uh, that's a hard practice for me to engage in because <clears throat> I, I I tend to think that we all want to take care of number one. You know what I mean? And that's that's probably a bad way to look at the world. Well, let's, well, let's rephrase the, the definition of pronoia. Instead of everybody uh -huh. is out to help you, the universe is conspiring to help you. So oh, people... I can, I can get behind that. People might be coming at you with their own selfish intent, but the universe is sending them to you with their selfish intent for a reason. And that's yeah, to help yeah. you. So I guess when you're in, in situations where you're feeling lost and out of control and, and scared and, and the world's crashing down, you can look at it and say, how is this going to help me? The universe well, you is know, doing this to help me. I, um, I actually would say that I think... I think I believe that. <laughs> I really do. Like, I'm into that. Yeah. So I, I've actually, I've, I've thought that, you know, but. It's really kind of scary, the lack of worry that <laughs> crosses my mind. <laughs> That's probably good. I used to worry about a lot of things, but like yeah. a lot of shit has turned out okay when I thought it was the end. And so yeah. I guess the more that that happens, the, the more you let go and let that happen, the, well, the I less actually, worried you get. You know, that's pro that's a, I think that's a, a pretty um, good practice. I was in a, a meeting. We had a school psychologist group meeting with a family, a student and a family. And one of the schools, like this, this student had, I might've mentioned this actually, but the student had um, some pretty severe depression and anxiety. And one of the, the school psychologists said, here's a practice I want you to do to engage in is when you are feeling anxious about something, go to the worst case scenario. Like, okay, what's the worst case scenario? What's going to happen? Okay. So if that worst case happens, what are you going to do about it? Like life's still going to go on. You're still going to be able to do this. You're still going to be able, like, like things will still be okay. Is the, the gist of what she was getting at. And, um, I thought about that because a lot of times we worry about shit that just really doesn't matter. You know, like, is, is it worth worrying about it? And, and if you get to that worst case scenario and it's like, yeah, this is going to be a problem, then maybe that's your signal that, okay, this anxiety is justified and I should change my habits or whatever. We worry about stuff that's being put there to help us. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Well, this has been a weird episode. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. It's we'll a good one go to close, close out the year. Yeah. You went from a show about nothing to a show about gay rights to <laughs> a Hannity and Combs episode. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> That's all right. You know, and here's the thing. Whenever we talk politics, I reserve the right to be wrong or to change my opinion or to just, this is, 
You know what I'm saying? Like That's what people don't do. That's what makes me the most frustrated is when you get new information that should change your mind, let your mind change rather than yeah. just stick to a side. Yeah. Be yeah. free. Be totally have no sides. Be Switzerland. There you go. That's uh that's my life. That's, a lot of uh, bank accounts in Switzerland. <laughs> there are. A lot of happy people. <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, have a great New Year. Yeah, you too. Probably won't talk to you before the the year ends. No, I think this is our last conversation conversation for twenty eighteen. Hope you had a good Christmas. I did. Did you have a good Christmas? It was it was very nice. Was we it? had no kids. Oh, that is very nice. <laughs> all all kids were with their other parents, and we had two days of complete silence. Oh, that's sweet. So it was nice. All right, well, I'll I'll catch you on the 2019. Okay, man. I don't know where this is going to go, but it's going to go somewhere. We'll just see. There was a guy. And the water guy who controlled the sea. Got killed by 10 million pounds of sludge from New York and New Jersey.